Number one means you're always on top. You're on the number one. I'm Evan Maindonald, CEO of Melt Property. I'm Andrew Ward. I'm the founder of Solomon New Homes. I'm Kavitha Vipulanda, and I'm the director and founder of Valora. I'm Lloyd Edge from Oz Property Professionals. I'm Sim Sekon, MD of Legal for Landlords, and you're listening to The Naked Property Investor. Coming up on this week's Naked Property Investor. I love designing. I love um, architecture, and I love... Um, developing environments and spaces for people and you know um, it's such a privilege and it's such an honour to have these kind of ideas and then be able to bring them into realisation and also another principle that we have um, as a company is that each project we take on is going to be bigger and better than the one that we've done before Hi, I'm Gary Forrest. I'm the chairman of the High Street Group, one of the UK's largest KRS development companies with uh, developments under construction at the present moment in time in excess of £500 million and forecasting delivery of about £1.2 billion worth of KRS schemes over the next two to three years. My advice to any professional property developers, either people in the market at the present moment in time and looking to scale, or people looking to get into property development. For me, there are four main ingredients you need to consider. One is the selection of the developments that you're going to undertake. Two is the quality of your professional consultants. Three is your ability to generate the funding for the scheme. And four is an understanding of your exits and the timelines involved in delivering the best returns. It's imperative that you do your homework in detail on the specific development. Rushing into decisions to take a scheme is the wrong thing to do. The appointment of your professional consultants, and in particular your architects, is a key driver to making a scheme successful. People underestimate the importance of a good quality architect to make a scheme work. It It may look great from a visual point of view, but if the design the detailed design isn't done in an efficient manner, you could find yourself uh, losing substantial sums of money in the design. From the Property Investor Studios, welcome to the Naked Property Investor with your host, Kizzy Nakwacha. Kizzy is the publisher of the Property Investor magazine, Money and Finance and Business Game Changer. Kizzy is also the editor of the successful property investment book series and the founder of the Property Wall of Fame. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the vital tools you need to take your property business to the next level. Now, meet your host, your mentor and the godfather of all things property, Kizzy Nakwacha. Hello and welcome to the Naked Property Investor. This week's show is part of a very special series aimed at showcasing successful women in property. Our series called the Naked Property Investor Women in Property will hopefully tackle the lack of diversity in the property industry as well as redressing the imbalance between male and females who sit on the board of property companies. My guest this week is Simone Degel, CEO of Simone Degel Architects. Now Simone is a former winner of Architect of the Year at the Women in Construction Awards in the UK. Uh, She was named International Entrepreneur of the Year in 2018 and Most Inspirational Role Model Under 40 also in 2018. Now Simone is head of Simone de Architects, 
a revolutionary architect's practice in London, whose style is founded on working from a set of theoretical, I'm going to say this right, and mathematical principles, developing each project into an exploration of rhythm, pattern, and repetition. Intrigued? Well, in just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Simone to explore how we can improve the representation of women in property and architecture. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Mario Carozo. I'm the CEO of the Caridin Group, and you're listening to the Naked Property Investor. Check it out. Thanks for dropping in. This week, I'm in the studio with Simone de Gale, CEO of Simone de Gale Architects. But before we introduce Simone, I've just got time to say that the Property Investor is producing its annual showcase of the top 10 Outstanding Property Specialists 2020. Now, the showcase covers all disciplines from commercial and residential developers to design, finance, and property marketing. To be eligible for the award, the specialist must work in one of the following areas, the UK, Australia, or the US. For information about how to nominate yourself, a colleague, or a client for inclusion in the top 10 outstanding property specialists, email tpieditor at email.com. And that email, just one more time, is tpieditor at email.com. Good luck. Okay, job done. Simone, it's amazing to have you join me. Thank you so much, Kizzy. It's such a pleasure to be here today. During my introduction, I tried very humbly to give an overview of what Simone de Gale Architecture does. Now, I, I think I said, I think I said it employs a style founded on working from a, a, a set of theoretical and mathematical principles, developing each project this is where it got me, each project into an exploration of rhythm, pattern, and repetition of form and material. Simone, it seems to suggest that architecture is more art than science. Well, I don't know about that. Um, when I was a student, I was taught um, that architecture is not an art. Um, it may be a form of art where it takes um, inspiration from art, but um, art is uh, an expression of oneself. Um, so how someone wants to uh, evoke a, a feeling or um, an expression of themselves through a media, whether it be film or, or painting um, or even audio, what have you. But architecture is the design of space um, for people. But uh, just to just to sort of take your your um, your views forward, I think that in terms of what you might consider being art, you know, architecture can be aesthetically beautiful. So you can use some really interesting materials. You can create beautiful spaces and environments for people, um, and you can really enjoy that whole process as an architect. This idea of rhythm, pattern, and repetition of form um, is something that I—it's almost hypnotic. Explain to me what this means in in practice. Well, it's it's um it's really nice that you'll um you know bring the conversation onto that. And when I was doing my professional diploma, which is my part two, my my second degree in architecture, um, 
I came across like these, these principles, these mathematical principles, like the golden section, um, the Vitruvian man, um, the, the golden triangle and these very, very, um, basic and simple principles, um, which, uh, are an approach towards life, um, and how life expands throughout nature, um, in taking into consideration the human being, plants, um, and then animals, um, and then insects and, um, all types of life on earth, um, and their relation mathematically, um, in, in terms of, uh, how, uh, they're created. So for instance, the human being, there's a, a, an element of symmetry. You know, we have two arms, two legs, etc. And if you split a line down the center, you'll see that, you know, there is an element of symmetry there. And, um, I was really fascinated by the, by the mathematical equations, which were deduced from these studies. And so I started to incorporate that into like my attitude towards architecture, because I really liked the idea of taking a very simple, um, pure geometry, like a square or a circle or a rectangle with certain, um, lengths and widths, and then exploring that as an architectural element, which will then be multiplied or repeated as a pattern across a space or a height, um, which would create this beautiful architecture, this beautiful, um, exploration of, of design. And I thought, um, it was really, really good in two ways because the first way, you know, you're using these very simple elements. So, um, it, it's very interesting to see that very, very basic element being repeated across the site and then becoming something beautiful, uh, like a sort of a story um, within itself. And from the aesthetic point of view, I thought that was wonderful and I, it really excited me. And then from the second perspective, um, in terms of building developments and sites, um, I was now at a stage where I could present to, to our clients a, a cost-effective way to bring about their developments, maybe through modular design, because, you know, once you've worked hard and you've built and you've studied and you've determined that, that simple element, how it's going to be constructed, how much it costs to construct it, and then the materials, then, you know, we could come across some, um, some ways to facilitate the construction through modular construction, through prefabrication, so that our client could use this module to develop their sites. Um, but then they would develop them in a cost effective way, as opposed to being very, very bespoke. And, um, Yes, the, the principle in, you know, um, is the basis of the company. And I'm very, very satisfied with that. And we will continue to explore, um, you know, pure geometries. Um, the largest project that we have where we've had a free reign to, um, explore this principle is a, a master plan project that we have in Tbilisi in Georgia, which is in East Europe. And, um, basically our client, they gave us a, a blank canvas it's a an empty site it's 160,000 square meters just empty and you know he all he said to us was um 
we want, you know, we want to maximize the residential capacity and then we want to have a mixed use scheme. Um, so we use this principle, the principle of pure geometry and the square in particular for this project. And then we, from that, we've now created, um, 565,000 square meters of, um, residential, commercial, retail and um, public spaces in terms of green space. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all reliant on the principles, um, you know, using modular construction, using a, a, a specific sized square component, which can be repeated across the site in different ways. And then, you know, fulfill our clients' desires. And that project has been submitted for um, for government approval at master plan level. So once we get the approvals, then we can go and we can start um, building. And then the second project, um, which was actually part of my um, professional diploma, um, my design was to design, design a spherical art gallery. So for this particular project, I was interested in the circle and everything that was curved. And um, so, you know, the, the gallery itself, um, which was designed to be in in London, um, was a sphere in its form. But then all of the internal components um, were arches, um, which, you know, replicated that same um, angle within and radius within the the geometry. And, um, you know, obviously I, I got my diploma, but then from that, um, myself and a scientific colleague of mine who, um, you know, I knew from, from another networking um, sort of circle, we discovered that we could use the principles for this particular design for the spherical art gallery as um, a way of improving armor protection. And because he was quite seasoned and had lots of contacts, we decided to apply to the Ministry of Defense for funding to develop um, a hybrid um, material technology, which would improve armor protection against IEDs, so improvised explosive devices and um, any sort of pressure waves. And, you know, the, the Ministry of Defence, they they accepted our application, they awarded us grant funding, and um, we've now developed the technology up to TRL6, so that's technology readiness level 6, that's um, prototype stage, and we've tested our prototypes on the Ministry of Defence blast um, testing range and um, we've patented our technology where I'm Simone Gale, I'm the named inventor of the technology and um, we are now bringing it into industry to provide um, better um, armoured vehicles for, for the military and then also for presidents across the world and, um, you know, diplomatic missions, etc. Anywhere where armour needs to be installed into vehicles and um, we're, we're also developing it for the built environment where we can um, provide blast-proof um, structures at ground floor level, you know, against terrorists and and all sorts of um, bad people, basically. And so, um, this this principle, I love it, and and it's 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 definitely the ground, um, the foundation for for my business. And you know, as I said, those are the two like major projects um, where we've had a free reign 
just to really take the um you know the principle to to the extent that we want to and you know i'm just always encouraging our clients more and more to 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 work with us so that we can explore more and more this this amazing principle okay so let's just get this straight uh my head is my head is spinning here we started <laughs> off <laughs> i need to lie down oh, wait wait a minute we started <laughs> off with a a $200 million valued master plan redesigning the capital of Georgia. And then we went to a, a, a spherical art gallery. And then you, we moved into a hybrid material, which would be used to improve armor protection. Um, yeah. so what, what did all these projects have in common? The principle they have in common, you know, the, the principle and um, they have in common that they have the idea has spurred from from me from Simone de Gale and you know my my sort of my sort of um, vision for architecture and my vision for beauty in design you know I love designing I love um, architecture and I love um, developing environments and spaces for people and you know um, it, it, it's such a privilege and it's such an honor um, to have these kind of ideas and then be able to bring them in into realization and I think that you know um, it's, it's, it's one thing to have an idea but then you know to, to have people who support you like my scientific colleague like my clients in Georgia who support those ideas and that ambition it's it's a real privilege to work with them because you know they they facilitate those ideas and then as as a person as an individual you know I always want to be honorable in the work and so you know um to to for to get the investment um for these ideas and then to actually bring it to fruition and say to the client or to the colleague, you know, yes, you know, you've done well, um, you, you made the right decision. That is always what I'm looking for, you know. So, so, um, as a director, I work very hard to ensure that any, um, investment or risk that's being taken by our clients or colleagues is a payback for them. I mean, that's, that's what I'm all about. You remind me so much of Leonardo da Vinci. I know it sounds odd, wow. but really, you, you, am I the first person to say this to you? Well, he's he's the person who did the Vitruvian Man, and um, that's that's the one of the principles, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Of, of, of the, the pure geometry and the symmetry in the human being. So that's amazing. And yes, you are. Just to clarify, you are the first person who said that. Well, I knew we were going to make history today, but I wasn't sure how. So there we are. Um, wow. <laughs> I remember saying, well, I remember saying in my introduction that the purpose behind uh, these conversations is to try to tackle the lack of diversity in the yeah. property industry. Now, tell me, what were the initial challenges you faced when setting up SGA? And how did you overcome them? Um, you know, and to be honest with you, Kizzy, when I set up SGA, I did not have that many issues. I think the, the, I, um, the main issues I had was whilst I was going through my university studies, I, I felt, you know, um, I was a young black female and I had these really ambitious ideas and, you know, these sort of crazy ideas that, 
you know, were just sort of out there. And um, they're really hard ideas to, to, to bring back to, to earth, especially when you're at that, 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 you know, young, um, learning, um, student level. And, um, you know, m my tutors weren't necessarily always on board, um, these, these ideas, even though I would always explore them. And I think, um, during my, my, my Bachelor of Arts, my, my first degree, I, I struggled quite a bit, you know, um, to get the, the, the support that I needed from my, my tutors. And, um, but then after, after my BA, um, like you, you do your BA and then you go out for a year of work experience. And so I went for a year of work experience. And as soon as I went into, into work, the work environment, and I worked on the, um, the Westfield London shopping center in White City, which was the first, um, shopping center by Westfield, um, in the UK. And it was, it was at that time, it was the largest shopping center, um, in the whole of Europe. And, um, it was, it was such an amazing privilege because I got to work on site and, you know, as soon as I got the job, um, everyone just supported me and, you know, I just worked really hard and, you know, very quickly I, I felt I, I built up my confidence as a designer. And then, um, instead of taking one year out of university, I took two years out. So the second year I went and I worked for a company called RMJM. And at that time, their architects. They were working on a project um, for Gazprom, who um, are a large oil giant. They own a third of the world's oil resources, and they were design. They were designing their new headquarters in 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 Saint Petersburg in Russia. And um, I, I jumped on board the project, and you know, my, again, my my sort of design skills just flourished and everyone was supporting me, um, very strongly. And, um, it, it was a, a, an amazing experience. And, um, after that, I went back and I did my, my part two, my um, professional diploma. And again, I'm, that's when I started to get like negative, um, um, connotations towards my work and towards me as a young black female because I had these big aspirational ideas. But when I went back to university the second time, because I had that worldly experience, um, I, even though, you know, my, my tutors may have not had that, um, you know, not wanted to install that confidence in me. I had a confidence within myself, um, where, you know, I knew what I was doing and I, I just wanted to stay strong in myself. And so obviously I got through. And then by that time I had built up, um, you know, uh, my own network. So I had a handful of people who were interested to work with me. So, um, when I finished my diploma, um, I finished, uh, I think it was 2009. And in 2009, that's when we had that, you know, the, the financial crisis and, um, you know, all of the architectural practices, they were, um, making people redundant and cutting down their firms. But I was really, really, you know, keen to get my qualification because, you know, legally you, ca you can't practice as an architect until you've gone through this process. And so I said, you know, to myself, I, I need to get my qualification. And, but because I had built up a network 
already, I started to have um, people come towards me and say, you know, Simone, can you do this project for me? Simone, can you do that project? And, you know, they at that time, you know, they, they were good projects at that time, but, you know, there are projects like um, an extension to my neighbor's property and, you know, like a community building and that sort of thing. And um, I just said, okay, so I'm going to start my business now. And then um, to operate, I'm going to get a, um, I'm going to get an architectural practice to oversee my work so that, you know, legally it's all, um, covered, um, and in terms of insurances and things. And, um, and that way I'll be able to do my work and then I'll be able to start building my business. So I started my business at that time and, because I wasn't qualified, I started it as an architectural services company. So, you know, doing designs as an architectural designer, but not as an architect. And then, um, after about a, and it was amazing. I, I traveled my, like one of my clients, uh, like I had known him at that time for about three years and he had multiple sites in London and then he had, he had sites in, in, um, in Bangladesh. So in Asia. Um, and he, you know, he invited me to come over to select in Bangladesh to do a master plan project. And, um, that was amazing because it was my first time, you know, traveling and for my, my business and doing work. And, and he was a prominent person in the, in the community. So when we went to select, everyone knew him and, you know, um, I was well taken care of. And, um, so that was my very first master plan project. And, um, you know, so, so when I started my business, I had like a handful of clients anyway, and then it just, you know, grew from that. And then, um, I took all the work that I'd done to the architectural association, which is one of the the best architectural schools in, in the whole of Europe. And I said, you know, I've been doing all of this work, um, like by myself, you know, can I do my, my qualification with you? And immediately they said, yes, they said, you know, this is very impressive. Um, yes, you can do your qualification here. And so I, I, I did my, my, my studies and my examination, and then I became a qualified architect. And then at that, and that was in 2011. And that, at that time, I was able then to um, to call my company Simone de Gale Architects um, because you know legally you can only use that that phrase after you're qualified. And you know the rest is history. I've just continued to to grow the business and to to get you know bigger and better projects. I mean, one of the one of another principle that we have um, as a company is that each project we take on is going to be bigger and better than the one that we've done before. Not to say that our projects are, you know, um, not valued, but in terms of a business, in terms of myself as a director, it's having a, a having a challenge is always good because it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you fresh and it keeps you ambitious. So, you know, it, you're always focused in the work that you're doing as opposed to becoming complacent. So, um, that's how it's grown. So it's been, it's, it's been quite easy, um, you know, in terms of setting up the business and, and, and moving forward. Um, I think the only struggle that I've ever had is really that, that university phase. And, you know, I, I, I didn't like it at all. I did not like it. I, I remember reading a survey back in, 
2017. It was in the magazine, uh, the Zine, you know, the, the, the design magazine. Um, now in oh, this, yeah, we just, uh, we just had a, we just had a, um, an article published in the Zine last week. Yeah. Right. So you know exactly who I'm talking about then. Cause I know a few years ago, they published a survey that revealed that I think it was just three of the world's 100 biggest architecture firms, um, are headed by women. So just three out of 100 of the biggest architecture firms are headed by women and only two have management teams um, that have more than 50% female. Now, and yeah. the survey also said that, um, that women occupy, I think it was just 10% of the highest ranking jobs at the world's leading architecture firms, while 16% had no women at all in senior positions. Wow. Have things changed since then? I think... Things are changing slowly, but I'm, I must say, and I must point out to you, Kizzy, that it's not only the architectural industry. It is all professional industries, you know, be it law, be it accountancy, be it, you know, um, banking, architecture, construction. It, it is across the board. I think it's important to campaign and to, to speak out, but it's not only about campaigning and speaking out it's very much about what you see and you know what has been done and so my focus is really really about you know nurturing um, my my design my principle and you know being a good business being a robust business which makes good profits every year which you know has a good turnover and then produces excellent designs and excellent architecture you know so that so that um, younger potential architects and then architects who, you know, are, are, are going through the phases can see that the work that's been done and, you know, really gain inspiration from that and say, you know, I can do that too. And, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's not unachievable. Um, because I think that's how you really, really get to penetrate, you know, the, these, these, these negative connotations and, um, these negative, um, sort of, um, representations of, of, um, diversity. And, you know, um, it, it, it does, it does upset me as I'm sure it upsets lots of other people. But, you know, I think that, you know, if you, if you retain that integrity and if you stand strong and if you stand true to what you're doing and the work and the, the process, then, you know, ultimately we'll get there. It's, it's a long journey. And as I said, it's not only the architectural environment. It is, you know, construction as a whole. It's, um, law. It's, um, accountancy, banking. It's all of these professional environments where we've had one sort of perception of, of what a successful person in that industry might look and be like. But, um, you know, we're breaking down the barriers to show the potential of the future. And, you know, I, I just love the work that I do. And, you know, I love, I love exploring architecture and I, I love, you know, designing and I love like making money and I love, you know, having a successful business. And, um, you know, that personally, that just, that, um, satisfies me. So if I'm able to, to, to take what I've done and then, you know, um, promote it or showcase it um to, to other to other people then you know it, it's 
that in itself is breaking down a barrier. I love the idea of um, leading by example and uh, inspiring others by the work that you do. And staying with the idea of inspiring others, at the moment, a lot of property-related businesses are struggling to adapt to the uncertainty created by this pandemic. Simone, what advice would you offer property-related businesses at this time? Well, um, it's I'm, I'm really pleased that you brought up that topic because, yes, this is a period of uncertainty for all of us. And, you know, um, I'm having conversations every day with clients and with colleagues and, you know, people within the industry um, so that we can get a, a sort of a steer on on how we should be reacting and and what we can do to be proactive. And at the end of March, um, actually on the last day, on the 31st, the, the Secretary of State for Business um, and the Environment, Alex Sharma, he wrote a letter to the construction industry and he said within that letter, you know, um, he encouraged construction to continue as long as it's done within a, a within a, a way that can be socially we can socially distance and abide by the the guidance you know to um to minimize or to prohibit any um transmission of of this virus and um so all we've done is like take that fully on board and um we've incorporated all of the government guidance in terms of social distancing how you can continue to work on sites and how you can you know get your projects done and then we we um turn that into a a, a coronavirus procedure um for health and safety working on sites um and then you know i as the director i've been speaking to my clients and to you know our stakeholders you know on a daily basis um just to make sure that they are up to date and aware of what we're doing um to make sure that our projects can continue um albeit maybe at a slower pace because at, at first um in particular in during april the the projects were still ongoing but at a slower pace you know the projects were moving forward nonetheless and that's what i was interested in you know to have the clients um go ahead and to have the clients reassurance um that he he had the confidence in us in delivering and so we've now introduced these policies and procedures to continue with our projects and to keep them going because um as long as we do adhere by the the social distancing rules and the the requirements um to mitigate any transmission of this disease um you know we can still work and and it's working you know our projects are moving forward we're finding new opportunities and um we're just working on that and it's it's been you know it's been a learning curve and it's been fantastic as well you know um we already had really good it systems so um you know in terms of being able to share files and um drawings and information um through the cloud 
we we had been doing that for about five years anyway. And then, um, you know, we're, we're a paperless company. We have really good CSR. So, you know, um, corporate social responsibility. So we're a paper, we're a paperless company where most of our work is, is done electronically anyway. Um, so it just enhanced that whole, um, that whole process. So we, we've been safe in throughout this 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 terrible pandemic and you know it is terrible because people are dying you know we cannot ever forget that people are dying in large numbers every day and um it's very sad and um it's, it's very disheartening um but we've been able to to enhance what we've already had um and to you know continue to to trade um and so i would just like to encourage um you know, people within the environment, people within architecture and and property, um, to to keep working on their projects and to keep you know their sites going on because we have been given the um the the empowerment by the government and um you know it's it's down to us to to keep it going a very positive note there and uh, hopefully an example of what's possible if you keep yourself focused and you abide by um, the health and safety of guidelines that the government's been issuing um simone we've got just about enough time to go to a section of the show we call the 30 second masterclass. now don't panic what this means is that you'll have 30 seconds to sum up the most important lessons our listeners should take away from this conversation. Are you game? I'm game. Excellent. Okay, well, 30 seconds to sum up the most important lessons from our conversation, and the clock starts now. Okay, so the the, the most important um, lessons that you can take are as follows. So firstly, if you're a designer, um, I would encourage you to... Um, follow your design to follow your heart and you know really encompass what you want to do in terms of being a designer architect um, interior designer property developer and fulfill that you know because you should always follow your heart and then secondly um, as a business person I would always be open to opportunities because you never know what's going to come out of those opportunities. You should always um, be open to new um, opportunities and direction in your work. And then thirdly, I would say, you know, as a female working in the construction and architectural environment, I would say, you know, um, keep going and don't ever have any doubts in yourself because you can be successful. You can do whatever you want um, in life and there will be plenty of people to support you. And, you know, as long as you have that resilience um, and work on that resilience, then you will find what you need. And then fourthly, I would say, you know, as, as a woman of color, as a black lady, I would say, you know, um, just keep going because there may be adversity out there and there may be negative connotations, but you know, you're beautiful and, and you can do it. And, you know, you have so much to offer to the world. So, you know, just, just persevere and yeah, let's all, all meet up at the end and, and have some fun. Fantastic. What a brilliant note to end the show on. Uh, I've got a, a, a page load of questions that I still want to go through, but I've been told that we have 
unfortunately we ran out of time. I knew we were going to do it, we ran out of time. But um, Simone, I've, I've got just about enough time, I've been told, to say it's been an amazing experience sharing this time with you. Your insight and your wisdom has been invaluable. Thank you, Thank Simone. Thank you very much, Kizzy. It's, such, it's so nice to speak to you today. And yeah, I'm looking forward to um, hearing back the, the interview. Well, my conversation with Simone reminds me how important it is for us to recognise and celebrate our heroes and our sheroes. In the 19th century, the central moral challenge was slavery. In the 20th century, it was the battle against totalitarianism. We believe that in this century, the paramount moral challenge is the struggle for gender equality around the world. This is a lesson that successful architects like Simone de Gaulle are teaching us every day. See you next week. Number one means you're always on top. You're on the number one. I'm Evan Maindonald, CEO of Melt Property. I'm Andrew Ward. I'm the founder of Solomon New Homes. I'm Kavitha Vipulanda, and I'm the director and founder of Allura. I'm Lloyd Edge from Oz Property Professionals. I'm Sim Sekon, MD of Legal for Landlords, and you're listening to The Naked Property Investor. Naked Property Investor.